You get the feeling you're part of a choir? <laughs> yeah. We're going to ask the children to make their way to Junior Church, and we're going to turn to Romans chapter 13 this morning. Romans chapter 13, we're going to begin with verse 1. Okay, looking at verse 1 here then. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God, and those who have, have opposed will receive condemnation unto themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes." For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. I've always said that the best citizens of any society should be the children of God. Now, I say that carefully because the world has a different idea than what we have of what is best. But uh, according to the word of God, I think those that live out the principles of the word of God will be the best citizens in any society. We saw this years ago in communist Russia when it was unpopular to be a Christian. Matter of fact, you could get sent to Siberia for being worshiping the Lord or, or lose your life for it and so forth. But it was rather interesting, even during that time, the government, governing authorities recognized that if they wanted to appoint somebody that they could trust to be a treasurer, they would choose a Christian uh, because they could trust them with the financial affairs and they weren't going to run off with the money. I thought, what a tremendous testimony the church had, even though it was being persecuted, even though it was being rejected, yet the world around them recognized that, hey, there's something different about these people and there is something of, of value here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're encouraged uh, in verse 12. He said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice we live, we act in such a way in our society that others will ultimately glorify God. And he expounds on that as you go into verse 13 he said submit yourself for the lord's sake to every human institution and he goes on to amplify that throughout the chapter there but we're not looking at first peter today we'll leave that to the ladies i think they're start at first peter in in their bible study so they they, they can 
they can wrestle with that for us. But we are called to be light and salt. We are called to demonstrate the character of Christ in the society in which we find ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is how do we respond to authority? Do we respect it? Do we honor it? Or do we want to assume the right that, hey, I'm number one. I can do what I please. I I, I can be the one in control here. No one has the right to tell me what to do. How, How should we respond to authority, both to those that are in authority over us? And if God places us in a position of authority, how should we use that to the glory of Jesus Christ? It's areas that touch all of our lives, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church, whether it's in our business world, it doesn't matter. It's built into the very fiber of life, the the whole area of authority and God's chain of command and so forth. So how basically the question we want to wrestle with, how can we be a living sacrifice in the area of authority? Because he started out in chapter 12, if you remember, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So how can we live that out in the area of authority today? We want to look, first of all, at the source of authority. He bluntly states, the powers that be are ordained of God. Do you ever wrestle with that? Powers that be are ordained of God. What about the powers that we don't like? What about the ones that aren't following the Lord? Are are, are they really ordained of God? Should they even be in that position? Well, We have to go back, I think, to Matthew 28 and verse 18, where Jesus says, as he was about to go back to his Father in heaven, he said, all power, or as that word could be translated, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He is the ultimate authority. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 16, he said, For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. Notice he said, even the thrones, even the people that occupy that position as king. And I think we need to realize that when Paul wrote this, it would be very easy for us to say, wait a minute, that that was good for Paul, but What about the corrupt government that we face today? Is that ordained of God? Well, the fact of the matter is, when Paul penned these words, Nero was on the throne. You talk about a corrupt ruler. You talk about a self-centered, cruel individual. Nero was in control of the Roman world at that time. And yet Paul said, submit to those who are in authority over us. He was put there by God. That's hard for us to wrestle with, isn't it? We, we think of sometimes of some of our elected officials. Why in the world did they get elected? Sometimes we think they don't even know what they're doing. Why should they be in that position? Are, are, are they really there because of God? I think we need to recognize that uh, Jesus is the one ultimately in control. He allows the governments that we have for a reason. It, they derive their authority from him. Now, they don't always use that authority wisely or in the right way, but ultimately, they have to answer to God for that. 
we, we, I think we need to keep that in, in the back of our mind. Nero, I can just imagine. Well, I can't really imagine. What was it like when he stepped out of this world and into the next and suddenly had to answer to God for how he used that position that God had allowed him to occupy? When, when, when he had to give an account of himself before the, the Almighty God that he hadn't even recognized. I, I think as we look at this, the source of the authority here, I, I think we need to recognize what Jesus said. Remember when he was on trial for his life before Pilate? Pilate said to him, are you a king? And he said, yes, I am a king. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. His is a different type of kingdom, a, a spiritual kingdom there. And we need to recognize that ultimately everyone is responsible to his kingdom, to his kingship. And ultimately they give an, an account and an answer to him. So as we look at governing authorities around us today, don't evaluate them necessarily from the standpoint of this life. Keep in mind that they, too, answer to a higher authority. They answer to God himself. God has ordained in our society a chain of command, and we are wise to recognize he is the head of that and to cooperate with him in that process. So what is the command that he gives us here concerning authority. puts it very simply, just one little word, submit. Uh, now, I, I realize we're living in a day and age where that term is not a popular term, submit. Uh, we read in Ephesians, wives, submit yourself to your husbands, and uh, 95, well, maybe 99% of the wives say, hey, wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, and they don't like that idea. I, I, I always like to explore that little word with couples that come for premarital counseling. Uh, I, I like to sit down with them somewhere in the, in the process and say, okay, now, this is what Scripture says. What, let, let's examine what it means. I, I said, in your home that you're going to establish, who's going to make the decisions? Almost invariably, they're going to make it 50-50. They're, they're going to each have their, their input. And, and so I said, okay, that's great. Uh, you, you should each have your input, but what happens if there's an emergency situation and one thinks one should, thing should be done, the other thinks the other? Who's going to make the ultimate decision? That's a new thought form because 50-50 is what? A tie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to break that tie. Uh, I said, who's, who's going to be the one in charge in, in, in that moment? And it's amazing to me how many couples have never thought that through. We're going to do this democratically. Yeah, that's that's great. But there are some times when you need to submit. Someone has to be in authority, even in the home. It's great to work through the issues together, but that little word submit carries the idea that somebody has to make that ultimate decision. It has nothing to do with a person's worth. Nothing to do with a, a person's ability. It's not a demeaning word in any sense of the word. It's a, it's a military term. It literally means to rank under somebody, to put yourself under the authority of somebody else. And to resist that concept, he said, is to resist the authority of God himself. Because God is the one who has created that whole idea of authority. He began it back in the Garden of Eden and it continues down through today. To, to resist authority is to resist God here. Now, the problem comes 
in our day and age, we like to pick and choose what authorities we're going to submit to, who we're going to obey, and so forth. Uh, don't, don't you do the same thing with the, the laws of the land? Uh, okay, we, we, we know between here and Spokane that the maximum speed limit is 60 miles an hour. Isn't that ridiculous? There's a lot of stretches there. You can do 70 miles an hour, and that's fine. It's safe, and yet the law says 60. Are we going to submit to that, or are we going to insist in our own way? And if you ever submitted, insisted on your own way and saw those blue lights in the mirror... <laughs> yeah, uh, the, you have to answer for that, don't you? It, 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 uh, God says submit to those in authority over us. What, what is the purpose of, of authority? Why has God established authority in a chain of command in the first place? Paul states here that it's the instrument of God for the sake of society here. It, it is God's instrument to regulate society. Have you ever noticed wherever there are two or more people, you need some form of organization. If you don't have some form of organization, you have two or more people, you have chaos. It results very quickly because everybody has their idea of how things should be done. Everybody has their idea of, of what's right and wrong. And uh, pretty soon, if, if there's nobody in charge, then you have chaos resulting. God said, I have established authority for the benefit of mankind t- today. Sometimes that's formal, sometimes it's informal, but uh, it's in- important for us to realize that this isn't to make life miserable for us, it's to make life better for us. God has ordained authority for, for that reason. So he said there's actually two reasons here for positions of authority. It is to reward the righteous. Now, I realize as I say that, that that doesn't always happen today, does it? There are many times where the righteous are not rewarded, where they pay a price for for living for out their principles in the world in which we live. So it's a a general principle here. But I think we, we need to recognize, even in those times when the righteous aren't rewarded, that ultimately God is still on the throne. And ultimately... While they may not receive the reward that they should in this life, God will reward them in eternity. Uh, One of the fundamental reasons and purposes of authority is to reward those that do the right thing. And if it it doesn't happen in this lifetime, God will see to it, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 said, He's not unjust or unkind to forget your work and labor of love. He'll remember it in glory. And we can rest in that fact that ultimately, since authority derives itself from God, ultimately, when we have to stand before him, that's when our reward comes. It's great when it happens in this lifetime. But if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, that's okay. God's still in control, and God will see that we are rewarded for it. Second thing he says here is government exists to punish evildoers. That began back in the days of Noah. Remember when Noah came out of the ark? He gave to mankind there the, the right to punish evildoers, even to the extent of capital punishment there. Uh, he, he said, whoever sheds man blood, man's blood by man, his, his blood shall be shed. He, he established that, that chain of command there, and he gave it in the sense of having a governing authority there. 
Notice back in chapter 12, we, we looked at last time. In verse 17, he says, don't pay back evil for evil. Respect what is right in the sight of man there. It's hard when somebody does something evil. When somebody treats us wrong, it's hard for us to be objective. Uh, you know, somebody hits you, first thing you want to do is hit them back. Uh, that, that, that's just human nature there. Uh, somebody says something nasty about us, we're going to say something worse about them, and, and on and on it goes. God says, that's why I've established a, a authority. Sometimes we need somebody that can look at it objectively, somebody that can uh, remove themselves personally from the problem and, and be able to give God's uh, counsel and, and advice on that. Sometimes when we're offended, we need the, a mediator of one form or another. And that is one of the reasons why God has established a government to address those issues and to bring a sense of justice into our lives. Now, I realize as I say that we have imperfect judges. And I realize as I say that that many times they can't see the heart. And sometimes they'll make mistakes. And, and yet uh, Paul says submit anyhow. In verse 5 he said submit for the sake of conscience there. Not just the question of where we do it for fear, but it's what would God have us to do? As citizens of heaven, we are to have a clear conscience as we walk through this life. Just because the authority is wrong, just because they're not doing what we think they should be, doesn't give us the right to rebel. We, we have to walk in accordance to God's word there. So what is the response to authority? This is where... As J. Vernon McGee used to say, this is where the rubber meets the road. And if you remember hearing him say that, he would say that quite often. This is where he brings it down to specific situations here. And the first response he brings to us here is taxes. Don't you just love tax time? <laughs> uh, we, we, the whole idea, we rebel against it, don't we? Uh, and yet, it's a necessary part of society. We enjoy the blessings of society that we have around about us. Have you ever driven into Spokane and, and thanked the Lord that you have a, a beautiful road to drive on to get to Spokane? Uh, we, we lived out in an Indian village 100 miles out of Williams Lake. And I still remember those trips to town. It would be four hours one way to get to town. It was an old, just like driving on an old logging road. Actually, a lot of it was just like driving on a washboard. You went 25 miles an hour, you're, you're going pretty fast on a lot of that. It, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I thank the Lord that I don't have to drive those kind of roads. We, we, we have some beautiful pavement now. We, we, can, we won't pick on Spokane today and, and their roads. <laughs> but uh, I, we're thankful for that. Uh, thankful that we have protection you know somebody's breaking into your house uh, what do you do call 911 and, and pretty soon you have help there uh, uh, we, we have uh, ha, have an accident and pretty soon there's an ambulance there somebody has to pay for all of that you ever stop to realize that that that's why we pay taxes so that we can enjoy a multitude of blessings as a society as as a group of people and it's only right if we're enjoying the blessings 
it's only right that we pay our fair share. That, that's why he says, uh, pay tax to whom tax is due here. Uh, I, I realize when you, if you have to write out a check here by April 15th, you, you, you're probably not going to say, thank the Lord, I get to write a check. But you can say, thank the Lord for the blessings that I get out of this, for, for what it has provided for me and, and, and the, the multitude of blessings that we share. Now, we, we can go the other extreme and say, wait a minute. What about the misuse of those funds? What, what about the policies the government has that I don't agree with? Well, that's something that they have to answer to God for, not you. Uh, I, I still, I like the example of Jesus. You know, the Pharisees came to him and said, is it right that we pay tribute to Caesar? Shouldn't we just pay tribute to God? And remember what Jesus said? Show me a coin. And uh, as they looked at the coin, he said, whose image is on it? And it was Tiberius Caesar's image. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now, as he said that, I wondered, did he agree with all of the policies of Caesar? Probably not. Uh, probably a lot of things that going on in his world that he didn't agree with. But uh, he still said, render taxes to whom taxes is due. So uh, uh, don't complain. And, and if you have to actually go and pay a tax, uh, a, a license or something, don't take it out on the clerk. Uh, pay it with the idea in mind that this is what God is asking you to do, and you do it to the glory of Jesus Christ, and, and maybe even use it as an opportunity to, to bless somebody uh, along the way. He, he said that's our first response there. The second is custom to whom custom is due. Custom, another word for that is tribute there. The word literally means a duty on goods and services. If you ever travel outside of the United States, when you come back uh, to that border crossing or to that airport or wh wherever it is, they will ask you, what did you buy? What, what are you bringing back with you? And uh, sometimes they even do it from state to state. We, we got on the plane in, uh, in Hawaii here, and uh, we had to send our bags through uh, the, the, the agricultural process there. And uh, as the one bag came through, the lady says, uh, did you pick up any shells while you were here? And I said, yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> she said, uh, let me see them. <laughs> she, she had that right. Uh, and she let them go through. It, it wasn't a problem, but uh, she, she had the right to take them away from us if she felt that we were violating the, the law there. That's part of the customs, uh, cu uh, the, the, the duty that, that is expected there. Interesting story of that comes out of Matthew chapter 17. There's only two times in Scripture where you will find this word custom being used, here in Romans and back here in Matthew chapter 17. In uh, verse 24, they come to Capernaum, and uh, there were those that were collecting the, the two drachma tax there. They came to Peter and says, does your master pay the tax? And he said, yes, verse 25. When he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him and said, Simon, from whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? From the sons or from the strangers? And they said, from the strangers. Now, think this through for a minute. They're in Capernaum. They're going to the synagogue. And the synagogue official says, you got to pay custom. you got to pay the tax here. Now, that's their hometown. That They should have been exempt from that. And yet, notice Jesus says, Lest we give them offense, go to the sea, throw in a hook, take the first fish that comes, open its mouth, 
and you will find a coin there. Take it and give it to them for you and me. Should they have had to pay that? Probably not. They weren't strangers. They probably helped work on that synagogue. They, they, they had been involved in that for years. And yet Jesus said, pay it. Just for the sake of testimony. It was like a temple tax there, only it wasn't going to the temple. It was going to the local synagogue. And there were many people that would come through there from out of town that would come and they would enjoy the use of the, temp, the, the synagogue. And those are the ones that should have helped pay for it. But uh, they just said it's easier to tax everybody rather than single out the, the, those uh, that, that are coming through as visitors here. And Jesus said, for the sake of our testimony, pay it. Uh, go the extra mile. And that's what he's asking us to do here. The, the next area, he says, render fear to whom fear is due. The word fear can also be translated respect here. Do you know some governing officials that really aren't worthy of your respect? I, I say that carefully. Uh, we, we, we sometimes wonder. You ever just kind of shake your head and wonder, where in the world are they coming from? You know what he's saying here? If they're in that position, we have a responsibility at least to uh, respect the office. We may not always be able to respect fully the individual that's in that office, but God has allowed that office for a reason. And we have to render respect for that. We we have to be uh, giving, in a sense, that sense of respect to to that office. and again, I think we need, as God's children, to be very careful in this area. Because we live in a society where we have the freedom to have our say. We, we can write all kinds of letters to the newspaper. We can criticize all kinds of things that are going on around about us. Uh, we're free to make those, those calls today. But I would suggest if you're a child of God, be careful how you do that. Make sure if you're going to do that, that you attack the issue not the individual. There's a big difference there. We're free to share what we think about the issue, but don't use that as an excuse to tear down the character of somebody else. I think we need to be very careful as children of God about the criticism that we level. I realize it's permissible in our society. Paul didn't have to wrestle with that in his day and age. You criticize the government and what happened. You lost your life. <laughs> you, you didn't last very long. But we have that right today because we live in a democratic society. But use that right carefully. God says be respectful. Do it in a respectful way. Do it in a way that will bring glory to Jesus Christ, not just bring glory to yourself or, or to your view, but recognize that you have a responsibility to, to Respect those that God has placed in those positions and don't use that liberty to tear down somebody else. In that same vein, he says, render honor to whom honor is due. The word honor speaks of having a high regard for an individual. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, he said, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. A remarkable statement when you consider when Peter wrote that. It was shortly before he was put to death by Nero. And yet he said, God placed him in that position, so I am going to honor him. He is the the, the king in this situation there. Uh, He said, render honor to whom honor is due. Now, one of the questions that he doesn't address here is, is there a time 
to disobey governing authorities? Is there a time for civil disobedience? I'm going to address that just briefly here. But I would say if, if you do that, you better be very careful in that because God said the powers that be are ordained by me. And I am the one that raised them up. You have to give an account for how you have dealt with them here. But there comes a time, I believe, when if it's a biblical issue, then we have to take a stand for God in those cases. For instance, Daniel. In, in uh, Daniel chapter 6, uh, Darius had commanded that nobody could worship any other god but himself. No one could pray to any other god but, but to him. Uh, Darius couldn't in good conscience keep that command. Darius loved the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. And so what did he do? Daniel, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he went ahead and prayed as he normally did and uh, wound up in the lion's den for it. But he was not disrespectful. He, he, he did what he, his, his ultimate power, the ultimate power and authority was God himself. He recognized that. And so he took a stand on that issue. Make sure that if you are going to take a stand against the governing authorities, that you have a biblical reason for it. Not just a personal reason, not just your likes or dislikes, but make sure there is a a biblical reason there today. The apostles in Acts chapter 5, Peter, John, had been put in prison for communicating the gospel message. When they were released, the Sanhedrin said, we'll let you go, but you can't preach or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, they had already received a command from Jesus. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. And so as they heard the command from the governing authorities, they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That was a time when they had to take a stand against the governing authorities. The governing authorities had overstepped their bounds. They had, same as Darius, he had no right to say you can't pray to God. And they had no right to say you can't preach in the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus had already said, go and do it. And their authority came from him. So if you are in a situation where you have to disagree, make sure you do it in the right way. Make sure there's a biblical issue and then make sure you're careful how you do it. I remember years ago, we were pastoring in South Dakota. Uh, we had a, a small group of pastors that met together. There was just five of us and uh, from several different communities, probably about 100 miles apart there, but uh, three of us were from the Evangelical Free Church, one was from an independent church, and and I guess the third one was, the fourth one was from a free church as well. But we we would meet together once a month just for a time of just studying the word together, praying, and having a time of fellowship. And and on one occasion, one of the pastors said, I need prayer. He said... uh, I got a call last night from my son, and this was in the days when it was popular to have the protests at abortion clinics and so forth. And he said, my, my son called and said he is scheduled to be arrested because he's going to be part of the sit-in, and he's going to actually be arrested and, and, and t- t- taken into custody in that. But he said he called me last night. Uh, and he said, Dad, I, I realize you're the pastor of the church there. And so he said, if, if you think this will jeopardize your ministry, I won't do it. I thought, what a remarkable young man that was. He had the insight to realize, yes, I, I strongly believe in this. I believe in it so much that I, I'm willing to go to jail for it. 
But if it's going to jeopardize, jeopardize the testimony of Jesus Christ, then I won't do it. I, he ultimately did go through the protest because his dad said, I, I support you in that. But uh, he was careful in how he did it. We need to think through the issues. Make sure they're biblical. Make sure that we're doing what God asks us to do. And as much as possible, I believe God says, submit to those who God has placed over you. Whether you like them or not, doesn't matter. Whether you agree 100% with their policies or not, doesn't make any difference. God said, submit for Jesus Christ's sake. You, you are here as a living sacrifice to represent Jesus Christ. And how you respond, how you react to governing authorities and officials reflects on who Jesus Christ is and what he means to you. There may be times when you have to be a living sacrifice, reflecting the glory of Christ to others. There are times when you may need to suffer loss for the sake of your testimony. Anytime we deliberately rebel, we damage the testimony of Jesus Christ. So be careful in those areas. And as, as we think about that today, a couple questions come to mind. Are you under authority today? We all are. It's an obvious question. But how are you handling that? Are you submitting to those that God has placed in authority over you in a way that's glorifying to Jesus Christ? And then I think we need to go one step farther in our thinking in this passage. Are you in a position of responsibility? Maybe God has given you a, a position of authority, whether it's in the home or in business or whatever. How are you handling that? Because just as we have a responsibility to submit to those in authority over us, those in authority have a responsibility to submit to Jesus Christ, and they have to give an account to him. So as, as a husband or as a father or as a mother or wife or whatever, how are you handling the issue of authority? Are, are you doing it in a God-given, biblical way so that Jesus Christ is glorified through your life? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we recognize in the very beginning of time, you created an order in the home, in the government, in the church. You're the author here of authority, that all power has been given unto you, and you've delegated that to men and women today. Father, help us to respond rightly to that thought, and help us to use wisely the responsibilities that you entrust to us, the authority that you've given to us to use in this world, so that you might be glorified in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read these words. I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. Until he comes. And you know, as we think about that, he calls us just a couple of verses later to examine ourselves. And I think this is one area today that we need to examine ourselves. How are we responding to authority? 
how are we using authority today? And it, to me, it's encouraging as I read scripture that Jesus never asked us to do something that he was unwilling to do. If he asks us to do it, you can be sure he did it himself. And, and this whole area of responding to authority, if, if you recall, uh, he stood before the governing authorities. He stood before Herod. He stood before Pilate. He stood before the Sanhedrin. And he did what was right in those situations. And he submitted himself to that. And the reason he did that was because before the trials unfolded there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knelt down and prayed, not my will, but thine be done. He submitted himself to the Father's authority. And so when he comes and we have a message such as Romans chapter 13, we can rest in the fact that he lived that out for us. It took him to the cross. He wasn't rewarded for doing the right thing. He he was nailed to the cross. But because he did that, because he fulfilled the Father's will, Today, as we partake of the elements, we're celebrating the fact that you and I have eternal salvation. His, his blood, there was no reason for him to shed his blood except for the fact that he loved us. There was nothing worthy of death in him. Pilate didn't have that right. Neither did the Sanhedrin. They assumed they had that right, but, but they didn't really have that right. There was nothing there that he was guilty of. He, even Pilate had to admit, I find no fault in this man. And yet he put him to death. Jesus on that occasion said, you know what? If I chose, I could call 12 legions of angels. He didn't have to go through that for us. He didn't have to submit to the authorities that didn't have a clue what they were doing or weren't doing the right thing, but he did it for us. And then he asked us to submit to him. And so as we partake of the elements, I'm going to give you just a moment of silent prayer. Because it's an area that touches all of our lives. How have you been responding to authority, to those in authority over you, to those under you? How have you been using the the, the authority that God has created? Is there some area there where there's a little bit of rebellion in your heart or your life that you need to ask God to remove from your life? Let's let's do that before we partake of the elements. Let's bow.